Hey, I'm Pastor Dave. Welcome to the Lighthouse. We hope the Lord speaks to you today by his word. From Ezra chapter 9, and we're going to be going through parts of chapter 9 and 10. Uh, and we're going to be uh, going to a few other passages as well, uh, just to uh, give weight and uh, depth and expanding, and, and, and especially from the New Testament. Ezra is Old Testament. And uh, at this point, it's about 435 B.C. It's 435 B.C. And this was probably the last generation because the next generation would once again go astray and there would not be a prophet again. So the last prophet that there was is in the Old Testament is Malachi, and he was the last prophet after him. There was about 400 years of silence. There was not, not, there is no passage scripture. There was nothing from Malachi till John the Baptist came, and he began. He was the forerunner of Jesus Christ, so there was a period of darkness. And so this generation that we're speaking of here, it was, it was a good generation. It was a good generation, even though they weren't in a good place. And there were things that needed to change. And uh, so this last generation, and Ezra was a part of it, uh, a beautiful man, Ezra, uh, a man that loved the Lord and loved his commandments. And uh, and knew the word up until that time, the written word that had been given, and in fact was one that wrote the word that copied scripture. He was a scribe, and he would copy on the scrolls, on the parchment. And so it was meticulous, the things that were passed from one scroll and copied to another scroll, because these scrolls wouldn't last forever, but they would be copied, and then and they would also be shared. And um, so that's who Ezra was, was a man that uh, had been in captivity. Uh, he, he was not born in Israel. He was born in captivity. And uh, so he was in Persia. And um, at that point, the, the Medes and the Persians had overcome the Babylonians as Daniel had mentioned and, and given uh, prophecy of that the, the next superpower that would come against Israel would be the Medes and the Persians. And, uh, and that's exactly what happened. The Medes and the Persians came in. And so much prophetic word that was given uh, back then. And everything came to pass that was supposed to come to pass. This is the last generation. This was the last generation. And I believe that we are the last generation before the Lord comes back. I believe that we are the last generation before the Lord comes back. Unless something happens, I don't think that I'm going to die before the Lord comes back. I truly believe that the Lord is coming back in my lifetime, in your lifetime. And so uh, we can relate to a certain extent to this generation. So I want to read from Ezra 9, from verse 8 and 9, and uh, just touch on a few words. It says, and now for a little while, grace has been shown from the Lord our God to leave us a remnant to escape, and to give us a peg in his holy place. In the Old Testament, or, or with, especially with Moses, they, there was a, a tabernacle that moved. And the way that these, this mobile tabernacle was constructed was in a way that would allow for it to be set up and torn down as the Lord led by his 
uh, by that cloud and by, as he led by that uh, fiery um, pillar. Uh, and so when there was a moving of the cloud especially, they would take up the, all the, the tabernacle and they would move with the cloud until the cloud stopped and then they would set up the tabernacle again. And so one of the things that was used to hold up the walls uh, were posts with ropes and pegs. And so uh, here it says, and to give us a peg in his holy, in his holy place, to leave us a remnant to escape and to give us a peg in his holy place, that our God may enlighten our eyes and give us a measure of revival in our bondage to come out of bondage, to be revived, that there would be a measure of revival in our bondage. For we were slaves, yet our God did not forsake us in our bondage, but he extended mercy to us in the sight of the kings of Persia to revive us, to repair the house of our God, to rebuild its ruins and to give us a wall in Judah and Jerusalem. So these things had been done so there was a repairing of the house of, of God. There was a rebuilding of its ruins. There was a giving of a wall in Judah and Jerusalem. So the wall had been repaired. And we read of that in Nehemiah. In fact, it only took 52 days to repair all the breaches and all in the wall that surrounded the city of Jerusalem. And so even those that were in that area recognized the hand of God in the prepare or the repairing of the walls that it went so quickly in 52 days everything was completed but here's this aspect of revival a measure of revival to revive us and we've been talking about revive in fact Lord is saying to revive to come to life and today I want to entitle this message probably the last in this series and it's part 10, radical revival, radical. Radical means extreme, extreme revival. So a question to you, for salvation to take place, think back when you got saved, what two main things needed to be done for your salvation or in your salvation for you? Okay, so a recognition of the fact that we were sinners. And so going along with this aspect of sin, what would we need to do regarding sin? Repent. So the first aspect of our salvation is repentance. And the second aspect? The second aspect has to do with faith. And, and a very specific believing. It's not just believing in ourselves. It's not just faith in, in the church. It's not faith, faith in rituals. It is specific. It is faith in Jesus Christ and what he would do for us. We call that the gospel. I like Mark 1 because it is very succinct. And it talks about the fact that we have the opportunity to come into the kingdom of God. And so Jesus says, now after John was put in prison, this is John the Baptist, after he was put in prison, Jesus came to Galilee preaching the gospel or the good news of the kingdom of God and saying, the time is fulfilled, the time is now, and the kingdom of God is at hand, it's here, repent and believe in the gospel, two things that are necessary for our salvation. Regarding keeping our salvation, what two things do we need to do to keep our salvation? Okay, read, read the Word of God. Sorry. Walk with Jesus. Sorry. Take up the cross daily. Okay. Pray daily. Uh, Andrew. Okay, it's interesting. The thing that we need to do 
to be saved initially is the two areas of our life that we need to make sure we've got right as we continue on as a believer. Okay, so we had to do this, we had to deal with the aspect of sin and repentance, and we had to also tie in with that our faith in the good, good news of Jesus Christ. So sin and repentance, our direction, and also then our faith in believing. So let me just give you a few passages regarding this to keep our salvation. There, and, and before I get into this, let me just say this. There are many, or there's, there are denominations, so if you want to check it out, check out Calvinism, and uh, especially John Calvin, who lived hundreds of years ago. But basically, the belief is this, is that you are elected for salvation by God, and you have no choice in the matter. So the election for salvation is totally God, up to God, and so there are people on this planet that are elected for salvation, and if you are not one of those people, it doesn't matter what you do, you are going to be apart from God for eternity, and basically God then is making a decision to say, you I want no part with. Calvin, Calvin John Calvin, there was, I, I am totally opposed to this thing. And there are some very strong, and I'll mention just one name, of, of individuals that are alive at this point that have had a very strong voice at this time. Not to say that they're not a, a good teachers, but there's a, there's a distortion on this one fact. And I, that individual, I don't know if, if, it has, if anybody's heard of John MacArthur. So John MacArthur is a Calvinist and basically is stating that the only way that you are saved is if God or, or preordained you for salvation. So the scripture that says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life should maybe be tw changed a little bit. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever he ordains to be having salvation or eternal life will have eternal life. So, let me just read, and there are so many passages that there is a part that we need to play in the continued um, state that we would be in right standing with God. The just shall live by faith. Colossians 1, verse 19. So it's around the same two factors. So you might say, Pastor, can we walk away from, the God, from God? Absolutely, we can. We have a choice to say, God, I don't want anything to do with you. Do you know anybody like that? And it doesn't matter at what point in their lives, there's at any point a person can say, you know what? I'm done with God. I'm done with you, Lord. We will see how radical this revive and re, or revival was in the time of Ezra. It was extreme. There was extreme things that were necessary for there to be reviving. So, Colossians 1 verse 19 says, For it pleased the Father that in him, this him is uppercase H and is referring to Jesus, for it pleased the Father that in Jesus Christ all the fullness should dwell, the fullness of God, and by him, by Jesus, to reconcile all things to himself, to the Father, by him, by Jesus, whether things on earth or things in heaven, 
having made peace through the blood of his cross. So how is it all made? How do we have peace with God? Through the blood of his cross. He needed to die. He had to suffer. He had to give himself a sacrifice for us. And you, and that's me included, who once were alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now he has reconciled in the body of his flesh through death. So in his physical body, he came physically to this world. He literally walked on this planet. And it was through the body of his flesh through death that we are reconciled with God. And to do what? With, through his death, to present you and me holy and blameless and above reproach in his sight. We can be presented to God blameless and above reproach. Now, this is the, the verse, and this is one of many, many verses that the Calvinist would struggle with because it doesn't line up with this theology of you are elected to be saved by God and you have no choice in the matter. You have no choice, which is not according to Scripture. And here's just one of many. So he's going to present us holy, blameless, and above reproach in his sight if, if indeed you continue in the faith. So if I don't continue in the faith, I'm going to, I will not be presented holy, blameless, and above reproach in his sight. So I need to indeed, if indeed, you continue in the faith and you are grounded and steadfast in the faith and are not moved away from the hope of the gospel which you heard. And all you had to do was believe in the gospel. So here the Lord is, or the word of God is saying, hang on, hang on to your faith, which was preached to every creature under the heaven of which I, Paul, became a minister. And once again, I would say, well, if God elects everybody that he wants to be saved, what's the point even of the gospel? You get saved, doesn't matter. Doesn't matter whether you're somebody even gives the gospel, you will be saved in the end. So our faith is critical. Watch this passage here. And this, once again, here's another passage, and once it's there's many like this that don't line up with. Even those evangelicals will say, you know what? I have no choice in the matter of my, my, uh, my salvation. God elects me to be saved. And if he hasn't elected me, there's nothing that I can do about it. Yet this passage here, Galatians 5.21, there's a whole list given in the verses prior. It says, and it goes from verse 21, it says, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like. Things like this. And this is to the church, it's not to the unbeliever. Of which I tell you beforehand, just as I also told you in time past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. You won't, you might start off, but you won't end up. And so you will not inherit the kingdom of God. It's not those that start the race of our, our life of faith, but it's those that finish the race. This thing of practice, in the King James Version, it, it doesn't say that those who practice such things. It says those that, who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. This word do is prezo. It's to exercise, practice, or be busy with, or carry on, or undertake to do something. So in the practice of, in the, the I'm busy with these things that I should not be doing, it is talking about the practice of sin. I'm going to continue to practice sin. And so the same thing that saved us to begin with is the same thing that we need to to 
make sure we continue on. We repented from sin, that we would not be practicing sin. So you might say, well, pa Pastor, are you, are you perfect? You never sin anymore? That we would not be practicing sin. I may slip and fall in sin, but to practice is where the Lord is saying, don't practice sin. Don't practice sin. All right. In Galatians 5, 16, it says, I say then, now this is just before this, this verse, these verses. I say then, walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another so that you do not do the things that you wish. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. Now, the works of the flesh are evident, which are, and then it goes into this list of different things, because we are depending. Let me just break it down. This may help you. If you are depending on willpower, on discipline, on your determination, on your strength, you'll notice that your faith is in yourself. Your faith is in you completing something. And I, I want to say to you that you cannot, you will not be able to overcome the flesh because it's the flesh. You're using the flesh to overcome the flesh. It'll never happen. That's why Paul says, I've crucified my flesh. And in fact, it talks about this. It says in verse 22, it says, the fruit of the spirit of the Holy Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. It's the fruit of the Holy Spirit. It's not the fruit of my spirit. It's the fruit of the Holy Spirit. And those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. So daily we take up the cross so that our flesh is crucified daily. And we can only take up the cross by faith. Those that are, who are Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and de desires. If we live in the spirit, if you've been born again, you are alive in the Holy Spirit. And so the Holy Spirit is saying, let us walk in the spirit. In fact, every step you take, every step I take throughout the day. And the power of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit comes through where our faith is at in Jesus Christ and him crucified. That's why Paul says we preach Christ crucified, the power of God and the wisdom of God. And it comes by the Holy Spirit. He says in Galatians 3, he says, who has bewitched you? You started off in the spirit. Why are you continuing on in the flesh? And so there's, he says, did, did not, wasn't Jesus Christ portrayed to you as crucified? That's how, when I came to you, that's how Jesus Christ was portrayed as crucified. And so who's bewitched you that you are now going by the flesh? You are going by your faith in yourself. So the, the Holy Spirit wants to help us. So the power to overcome is through the Holy Spirit as our faith remains in Christ crucified. Praise the Lord. So we need to deal radically with anything that would shift our faith or when it comes to temptation and the practice of sin. We need to deal with that radically. So in one regard, I need to have my faith in the right thing daily, taking up the cross daily. I can't depend on myself, and I need to deal with sin. The thing is, if you're, if you're crucified, it's the flesh that's crucified will help. It says in Romans 6, it says, But now, having been set free from sin and having become slaves of God, you have your fruit to holiness and the end, everlasting life. You've been set free from sin and the power of sin and dominion of sin. How? Through your faith in Jesus Christ. And you, you have become slaves of God. Not slaves to your flesh to do things that you don't want to do. But slaves of God. Servants of God. A willing sacrifice before the Lord. For the wages of sin is death. 
but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. So as a believer, we've been set free from sin, that we would become slaves of God, resulting in fruit, the fruit to holiness, to be in right standing before God, and the end, everlasting life with him. How many are looking forward to the return of our Lord Jesus? It's like, oh, I can't wait. I can't wait. All I would say is, as excited as you are to, to see the coming of the Lord, the only thing I would say is that the, the, the hope and the reality that you have that others would have the same thing. Others need to have the same hope, the same excitement, the same desire that you have for an eternity with God. And so we present the gospel. All right. Taking the grace of God for granted. Romans 6 verse 15 says, What then? Shall we sin because we are not under the law but under grace? Certainly not. In fact, at the beginning of this chapter, he says, Paul says it again. He says, just because you're under grace, you're not under the law, but you're under grace, should we continue to sin? Shall we sin? Certainly not. Because sin will impact us personally. I think all of us can attest to that, that sin, sin impacts us personally. And it doesn't just remain with us because of sin impacting us because we're transgressing, it will impact others. One way or another, it will impact others. Personally, we will reap what we sow. We reap the consequences of what we sow in transgressing. And suddenly, if we go too far off, or even as we go off, immediately there's a conviction of sin by the Holy Spirit, and that's a good thing. To be not feeling good, to not feel good because of sin in your life, that's a good place to be. In fact, when somebody s says, hey, I don't know if I'm saved or not, I, I don't know if where I'm at with the Lord, and, and uh, it, it's bothering them, that's a good place. Because if they were not bothered by it, that I would be concerned about. Oh, I don't care. At that point, I'm concerned. If they're saying, I'm, this bothers me, this thing of the practice of sin, this is a good thing. There is, there is still the Holy Spirit speaking, and you are hearing the Holy Spirit, and it is good to get things right at that point. It's interesting, when our life is at stake, it's amazing how many people, I don't know if you've ever been in this position, when something extreme is happening, that there's a, almost a natural inclination to turn to God. Have you ever been there? I can remember, we were on our way to church on the Sunday morning, it was winter time, we were driving, a, still remember, my dad had this, this Audi 100. In 1973, 74, Andrew says 74. And we're driving this car, and we're on our way to church. And back in this, in, in, at that time, I don't know what it was, but seatbelts were not as important or didn't seem to be as important. Remember, can you remember being in your, your car and, and lying as a kid across the back window? How many of you lay across? The, I know. You're, this generation is saying, what? I can remember going to youth, and, and we didn't have enough room, room in the car, so two of us went in the trunk, and we were in the trunk of the car because there was, we needed more room. Can you imagine? That's our, gener yeah, that's our generation. You guys are, are you nuts? And when I think back, it was, man, God, how many angels were watching over us? On that particular day, we were heading to church, and it was winter time, and there had been a snowfall. The main road was cleared off, but people were digging themselves out of their driveways. 
And I can remember, now I'm talking about when, when things are extreme, it's amazing how quickly we turn to God or we'll cry out to God. And I can remember, so here we are sitting in this car, and there's six, six of us, like this, six, no, six of us in the car. So there's three in the back, and there's three in the front. Now, I, I don't know, Mom, did you have your seatbelt on? I don't think so. You didn't. No, 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 I was in the front. <laughs> Ernie, were you in the front? The reason I, I was, I know, unless, I, I don't remember not being in the front, but I, I remember distinctly this car being pushed out onto the street, and my dad was going about, I don't know, 70, 80 kilometers an hour. Going to church, yeah. Whatever, Sunday morning, Sunday night. Could have been Sunday night. But anyways, the guy was pushed out in his little rabbit, Volkswagen rabbit, pushed out onto the highway, and, my, and right in front of us, my dad, all he could do is he swung to the left to go around him. And as soon as he swung to the left, the guy came out and uh, he made a left turn into him. So here, here he was. My, once again, we were going, I don't know, 70, 80 kilometers an hour. And this guy turns right in front of, of the car and immediately. So the first thing that I, that I, 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 I remember saying was Jesus. That's all I had was Jesus. And we hit the back car, and I can remember the front end and the, the, the hood on the car immediately just crumpling as we hit the back left corner, the driver's corner, back corner, right on the, on the corner. And um, even to the point, if I'm not mistaken, I believe, yeah, there was an answering to prayer. Mom, were you something happened to you, basically, I believe it was your head, Mom, that cracked the front windshield as with the impact, and there was a crack in the front in, in windshield where my mom hit the car, or the when we hit the car, and she went flying forward, and there could have been so much happening where there was, there was a protection of the Lord, and... Uh, I say, I say all of this, it's a good thing to call out to the Lord when things are extreme in your life. And maybe you've been distant from God and you, there's this calling out to God in these extreme situations. When all hell is breaking loose and, and maybe it's because of the decisions that you've made, that we made. Maybe it's because we've allowed a foothold of the enemy in our, our lives, and, and it seems like all hell is breaking loose, and we know that we're not in the right place, and there's a crying out to the Lord. And part of that is this thing of, man, I need to be in the right place. I don't like the place that I'm at. Oftentimes, when things seem good to us, we just carry on, and we may even do what is right in our own sight. I'll continue to do what is right according to what I believe. I'll tell you, people do that all the time. Sorry, Pastor. I, you know what? Uh, what you're saying, and I'll, I, who cares what I say? My opinion. Who cares? But when I stand on the Word of God, man, we need to. Don't listen to my opinion. I'll I'll let you know. Hey, this is my opinion on something. But for goodness' sake, when the Word of God is being spoken and taught. You better, you better listen. Listen and act. All right. All right. Let's, let's move quickly here now. Ezra chapter 9, verse 1. Ezra 9, verse 1. When these things were done, and go back to the last few sessions that we've had. Listen if, you have, if you've missed it. When these things were done, the leaders came to me saying, the people of Israel and the priests and the Levites have not separated themselves from the peoples of the land with respect to the abominations of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Jebusites, the Ammonites, the Moabites, the Egyptians, and the Amorites. 
They've not separated themselves from the peoples. They have not separated themselves from the abominations that these peoples were doing. For us today, you might say, well, who are these people? It's the world. We're children of God, and it's the world. And we're going, you know what? We're not separating ourselves from the world. We are in this world. Of course, we're in this world, but we should not be of this world. We should not be of this world. And so here, the leaders came to Ezra, because Ezra was about changing the spiritual state of the, the nation. And there weren't that many people there. There was just a remnant that was there, and the people that had been there for decades already were not where they're supposed to be. And the ones that had been left behind even uh, didn't, weren't taken into captivity. There was small pockets here and there, but they were not in the right place. They were doing the things of the world. For they had taken some of their daughters, the daughters of the all these ites, these parasites. They had taken daughters from them for themselves and their sons. So the women taking the sons of the world and the daughters, uh, or the, the men taking the daughters of the world, so that the holy seed is mixed with the peoples of those lands. Indeed, the hand of the leaders and rulers has been foremost in this trespass. I'll tell you, if the leaders, the spiritual leaders, are saying that it's okay to do certain things, for goodness sake, just make sure that everything they're saying is lining up with Scripture. Make sure that the people that you're listening to, the things that they're saying are lining up with Scripture. And so... You might say, well, so they took women of the world. Basically, their sins were intermarriage with the heathen and committing the abominations for which others had been destroyed by God. Like there was some of the things that were being done were so extreme. I'll tell you, some of the things that the world is doing at this point in time, which is acceptable, which is even coming into law, and, and thou shalt not speak out against it. It's totally acceptable that we would not be partaking in any of these things. In Deuteronomy 7, and there's a few other passages. It says, when the, verse 1, when the Lord your God brings you into the land which you go to possess. And just so you know, this was written one, about a thousand years prior. Deuteronomy is taking a place about 1400 B.C. And this is like a thousand years later. So when the Lord your God brings you into the land which you go to possess and has cast out many nations before you, the Hittites and the Girgashites and the Amorites and the Canaanites and the Perizzites and the Hivites and the Jebusites, seven nations greater and mightier than you. And when the Lord your God delivers them over to you, you shall conquer them and utterly destroy them. You shall make no covenant with them nor show mercy to them, nor shall you make marriages with them. You shall not give your daughter to their son and take their daughter for your son, for they will turn your sons away from following me to serve other gods, so the anger of the Lord will be aroused against you and destroy you suddenly. And that's exactly, that's what happened. They didn't get rid of these individuals that were in the land. And as a result, here, a thousand years later, they've gone through already a captivity that lasted 70 years. They were not in the land. This came to pass. I want you to know, so when, verse 3, Ezra 9, 3, when I heard this thing, so when there was a recognition that there was sin in the nation, when I heard this thing, I tore my garment and my robe and I plucked out some of the hair of my head and beard and sat down astonished. This is Ezra. You might say, what is this? Basically, in that day, it was an action of, re of great remorse. A remorse over this aspect of sin. I sat down astonished. It was like, this is extreme. This is not right. 
And it wasn't so much a thing of judgment on Ezra's part. There was this aspect of remorse. He, if we have remorse over sin, this is a good thing. That there would be a remorse over sin. We're talking about revival. We are talking about, Lord, that we, there would be a move of God. That was his heart. That was Ezra's heart. Let there be a move of God at this time. And so there was this thing of, of sin in the camp. How can God revive their sin in the camp? And we're going to see how extreme this was. So it says, Then everyone who trembled at the words of the, of, of the God of Israel assembled to me because of the transgression of those who had been carried away captive. And I sat astonished until the evening sacrifice, until three Three in the afternoon was the evening sacrifice. I like the fact that it says that everyone who trembled at the words of God, of the God of Israel, assembled to him. So there is this recognition of the sin. And there was this acknowledgement, we have done wrong. It is a good thing to humble yourself before, before God, to be in a place to say, you know what, I cannot keep doing this. This is a passage I read when we started the service, before we started, or as we started. Psalm 51, verse 16 and 7. For you do not desire sacrifice, or else I would give it. You do not delight in burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite spirit, heart. These, O oh God, you will not despise. God does not turn away a contrite heart. And here, the people, they trembled. There is a trembling before God and they're, they're recognizing their sin and they're humbling themselves before God. Verse 5 says, At the evening sacrifice, I arose from my fasting and having turn, torn my garment and my robe, I fell on my knees and spread out my hands to the Lord my God. And he starts to pray. There's this heart and desire before God, I want to have relationship with you. And I recognize that I'm apart from you. And there's this coming and there's a, 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 a communion with God. There's a communing with God regarding the sins of the people. It's almost like he's saying, Lord, this is, this is, this is me. I'm praying as if it was me. And he says, oh, my God, I am too ashamed and humiliated to lift up my face to you, my God, for our iniquities have risen higher than our heads and our guilt has grown up to the heavens. He's not even saying it's it's them. Thank God that I'm not in that position, but there's a crying out for the people. Since the days of our fathers to this day, we have been very guilty. And for our iniquities, we, our kings and our priests have been delivered into the hand of the kings of the lands, the kings of the lands, to the sword, to captivity, to plunder, and to humiliation as it is this day. That, that was history. That, things were happening because they were in this place. And he's saying, here we are again. We're in the same place. And now, for a little while, grace has been shown from the Lord our God to leave us a remnant to escape and to give us a peg in his holy place that our God may enlighten our eyes and give us a measure of revival to be revived in our bondage and the place that we are at to, to come to life even in our bondage. For we were slaves, yet our God did not forsake us in our bondage, but he extended mercy to us in the sight of the kings of Persia to revive us, to repair the house of our God, to rebuild its ruins and to give us a wall in Judah and Jerusalem. Powerfully, powerfully. And now, O oh oh, oh, our God, what shall we say after this? For we have forsaken your commandments, which you commanded by your servants, the prophets, saying, the land which you are entering. And this, so now he's quoting a passage from a thousand years earlier. The lands which you are entering to possess is an unclean land with the uncleanness of the pe peoples of the lands. 
with their abominations which have filled it from one end to another with their impurity. Now therefore do not give your daughters as wives for their sons nor take their daughters to your sons and never seek their peace or prosperity that you may be strong and eat the good of the land and leave it as an inheritance to your children forever. Don't seek the peace and the prosperity of this world. Listen, the things that this world has to offer, really, they will not last. Nothing that this world has to offer will last. We would not even take it in. And after all that has come upon us for our evil deeds and for our great guilt, since you, our God, have punished us less, us less that, than our iniquities deserve and have given us such deliverance as this, should we again break your commandments and join in marriage with the people committing these abominations? We, we got a lot less than we actually deserve. Should we again break your commandments? Would you not be angry with us until you have had consumed us so that there would be no remnant or survival, survivor? O Lord God of Israel, you are righteous, for we are left as a remnant as it is this day. Here we are before you in our guilt, though no one can stand before you because of this. And so there's a confession of sin. Lord, forgive me of my sins. Forgive us of our sins. And while Ezra, listen, and while Ezra was praying and while he was confessing, weeping and bowing down before the house of God, a very large assembly of men, women, and children gathered to him from Israel for the people wept very bitterly. This is a beautiful thing. There was a weeping for the sins, that their sins, and for the sins of this remnant. And even as Ezra is praying, and he was not guilty, he's praying for the people, and there's this move of God to revive and to get into position that they need to get for, for a revival of the land. And in fact, the very last generation, because the next generation would say, we don't want anything. We're going to go our own way. But this generation a very large assembly of men, women, and children gathered to him from Israel, for the people wept very bitterly. And Shechaniah, the son of Jehiel, one of the sons of Elam, spoke up and said to Ezra, We have trespassed against our God and have taken pagan wives from the peoples of the land. Yet now there is hope in Israel in spite of this. Now, therefore, let us make a covenant with our God to put away all these wives and those who have been born to them according to the advice of my master and of those who tremble at the commandment of our God and let it be done according to the law. Arise, for this matter is your responsibility. We also are with you. Be of good courage and do it. And so here this man is saying, Ezra, go ahead, move forward. There needs to be a, a, a work of separating from sin. And Ezra arose and made the leaders of the priests, the Levites, and all Israel swear an oath that they would do according to this word. So they swore an oath. We're going to do what is right before the Lord. We're going to do what is right. We're going to take care. And now it says, Then Ezra rose up from before the house of God and went into the chamber of Jehohanan, the son of Eliashib. And when he came... There, he ate no bread and drank no water, for he mourned because of the guilt of those from the captivity. And so here he is. He's, he's mourning the transgressions. And there's this thing of how do we deal with this? How are we going to deal with this sin? The sins of the leaders, the priests, the Levites, those that were singers, those that were the, the gatekeepers. And they issued a proclamation throughout Judah and Jerusalem to all the descendants of the captivity that they must gather at Jerusalem and that whoever would, would not come within three days according to the instructions of the leaders and the elders, it was basically, we need to deal with the sin. If, you don't, if you're not coming, all his property would be confiscated and he himself would be separated from the assembly of those from the captivity. Basically saying, you will not be a part of Israel. You will not be a part of basically Israel being the children of God 
you will not be, because of your actions, you are being separated. So the men of Judah and Benjamin gathered at Jerusalem within three days. They listened. It was the ninth month on the 20th of the month, and all the people sat in the open square of the house of God, trembling because of this matter and because of heavy rain. It was cold. There was rain at this point. And so they came despite the weather, and here they are, and they're trembling. Part of it is this is a serious matter. The other thing is, man, it is cold. We're wet, and yet this is so important. They're not dealing with this lightly. Oftentimes we, I'll tell you, we, we wonder why there are things happening in our life, and we think, well, it's, it's the enemy. And oftentimes it's, man, I need to examine myself. Lord, am I not in the right place? Let me get things right before you. Let me not play and toy with sin. They, they listened. They came. Then Ezra the priest stood up and said to them, You have transgressed and have taken pagan wives, adding to the guilt of Israel. Now therefore make confession to the Lord God of your fathers and do his will. Separate yourself, yourselves from the peoples of the land and from the pagan wives. So there's, there was this thing of dealing with sin. You might say, Pastor, that's Old Testament. That's not New Testament. The New Testament, we're talking grace. And you better believe there's grace. Like he already said, Ezra said, we don't deserve what, you've, what we've received. We should have, it should have been a lot worse for us. Let me say this from New Testament. Therefore, brethren, having boldness, to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus, Hebrews 10, verse 19. Having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way which he consecrated for us through the veil that is his flesh. His flesh was torn. And having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Jesus had to die for us so that we could come into the presence of God to take care of our sins and the things that would keep us from going into the holiest. It was by the blood of Jesus Christ. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. That's exactly what's happening right now. There's an assembling together and there's an exhorting as we see the day approaching. And I'm saying, if there's anything of sin within your life and you know it because the Holy Spirit has been convicting you and you just, you're, you're putting it off for goodness sake, deal with it. Deal with it before the Lord. Humble yourself before the Lord. Come before the Lord. Confess your sin and turn from your sin. Don't continue on. For if we sin willfully after we have received the knowledge of the truth, the knowledge of Jesus Christ and his sacrifice for us so we can have life, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins, but a, a certain fearful expectation of judgment and fiery indignation which will devour the adversaries. Anyone who has rejected Moses' law dies without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses. That was Old Testament. Of how much worse, worse punishment do you suppose will be thought worthy who has trampled the Son of God underfoot, counted the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified a common thing, and insulted the Spirit of grace? To trample the Son of God underfoot. I'm saying to you at this time, I am saying to you, we need to deal with our sin. For we know him who said, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. And again, the Lord will judge his people. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Yet there's an extension of grace for us to get things right. Ezra 10 verse 12 says, then all the assembly answered and said with a loud voice, yes, you have said, so we must do. We need to put off sin. But there are many people. It is the season for heavy rain, and we are not able to stand outside. 
nor is this the work of one or two days, for there are many of us who have transgressed in this matter. Please let the leaders of our entire assembly stand and let all those in our cities who have taken pagan wives come at appointed times together with the elders and the judges of their cities until the fierce wrath of our God is turned away from us in this matter. Only Jonathan, the son of Asahel and Jehaziah, the son of Tikva, opposed this. And Mishalom and Shabbatha, the Levite, gave them support. So there's only a few that says, no, nah, we don't want to do this. The rest are saying, we need to do this. Then the descendants of the captivity did so, and Ezra the priest, with certain heads of the father's households, were set apart by the father's households, each of them by name, and they sat down on the first day of the tenth month to examine the matter. By the first day of the first month, they finished questioning all the men who had taken pagan wives. It took two months. And so they went through every single case. Each, they were going through every single case. You know what? I know and believe that some of the ones that had taken pagan wives, and even as they would possibly have shared of the God of Israel, that some of those pagan wives says, you know what? Your God is a lot better than our God. And perhaps even the children we're at a place where they're saying, you know what? We're going to serve your God. The, 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 the males circumcised according to, to the law. And so there is this aspect of going through each and every one. A lot of times we, as we would read, the, read this, we say, can you, can you imagine being with your spouse, your wife, perhaps for a decade? for several years or a decade or two and having children already. And here this thing is, perhaps, perhaps there was even a repentance at that point saying, I'm going to serve your God. And so they're considering every single case. We, we read of Ruth. She was a Moabite. She was one of the ones that, yeah, don't have anything to do with. And yet, because of Ruth and Boaz, they were part of the lineage where Jesus comes through. Because Ruth said to her mother, hey, I am going to stay with you. I'm going to go with you. My God, your God will be my God. And your, your nation will be my nation. Your, your country will be my country. And there's an acceptance of God, of those that are not children of, of God, to include them. His heart is to include. And so it took two months going through every single case and situation. I say, thank you, Lord, for the mercy of God. Thank you for his mercy as we say, I'm going to deal with sin. And God is saying, yes, deal with sin. Get it right because I want to revive you. I want to revive you. I want to give you life. Thank God for the life that he's given us. Praise God. And it's interesting, the rest of this chapter from verses 18 right to the end gives the names. It says, and among the sons of priests, of the priests, and it starts with the ones that were the, the ones that should have known better. And it starts with the priests who had taken pagan wives and following were found of the sons of Jeshua, the son of Josadic, Je, uh, Josadic, and his brothers. And it now starts the different names. And they gave their promise that they would put away their wives, and being guilty, they presented a ram of the flock as their trespass offering. So these were the ones that the wife saying, no, that's all right. I'm out of here. I don't, I'm not going to serve your God. I want nothing to do with your God. And they presented a ram of the flock as their trespass offering. Trespass offering. We know that what we did was wrong. 
forgive us, Lord. And it goes through all the different names, the, the Levites, the singers, there's one, the gatekeepers, there was three, and the others of Israel, and the names are all there. And you might say, why mark down every name? Why mark down all the names? I truly believe this last generation, generation, God was saying, sin is serious. Sin is serious. Deal with your sin. Deal with the sin. Make, repent. Get rid of sin so you can have life in me to be my children, to be children, the children of Israel, to be children of the congregation, of the assembly, that we would do that at this time. Two things to hang on to when it comes to salvation and keeping your salvation. Let your faith be in nothing else but Jesus Christ and Him crucified. The, thing, the, the one that saved you, your faith in the one that's, that saved you, let it remain there. And the other thing that I would say is this, that you would submit to Jesus Christ as Lord. See, they're saying, I'm going to do what I think is right, or it's okay, I'll fudge, uh, I'll make excuse. When we submit to the Lordship of Jesus Christ, and the Lord would say, hey, these are things you shouldn't do. They're detrimental to you. Lord, I'm not doing it. Or there's a conviction by the Holy Spirit, I'm not going to do it. Because the Lord desires for you to have life. This is what Hebrews 13, verse 20, I love this conclusion of an entire book. It says, now may the God of peace who brought up our Lord Jesus from the dead, that great shepherd of the sheep through the blood of the everlasting covenant. It says here, that brought up our Lord Jesus from the dead. He is my Lord. I'm going to serve him. I'm going to submit to him. And God the Father brought him up from the dead by the Holy Spirit, that great shepherd of the sheep through the blood of the everlasting covenant. Why? To make you and me complete in every good work to do his will, working in you what is well-pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Let it be. Let it be. Can we stand together? I'm just, I want to pray, I want to pray this, this benediction that it would be so in our life. It is, it's by his blood as we would turn, we would repent and we would confess our sin. It's by his blood that we are washed. We are washed, made clean. Hallelujah. So if I could have the worship team come up. Let me just pray. Lord, you know the hearts of each and every one of us. There are areas in our life that should not be. Lord, I pray that there would be a turning, a repentance, an acknowledgement of sin, a humbling before you. We would humble ourselves before you. And Lord, we would determine, I cannot continue on this way. Lord, that I would not be a slave to my flesh and unrighteousness, but that I would be a slave to you, Lord God, a slave of God, a servant of God. Lord, that I would be doing, I would receive your righteousness and I would do what you would have me do in Jesus' name. So Lord, I just pray if there's anybody here or online or gonna be watching online that is not right, Lord, I just thank you as we have breath, we can still come to you. And Lord, we can make things right. As we are still alive, we can make things right with you. I pray there will be a turning from that which is of sin. And Lord, that there would be a turning to you, a repentance of those sins, and there would be a getting right before you. And Lord, I just pray that you are of peace. And I pray now that may the God of peace who brought up our Lord Jesus from the dead. You raised your son from the dead by your spirit. 
that great shepherd of the sheep, the one that wants to watch over us, Lord, that we would surrender and say, yes, I am part of that flock, your flock, Jesus. You gave your life for us. And Lord, there's an everlasting covenant that is through your blood shed for us, an everlasting covenant that says that we can be in right standing with you and we can spend eternity with you, have relationship with you, and we are in agreement with that. And so, Lord, make us complete in every good work to do your will. Lord, not our will, not the things of this world, but, Lord, every good work that you would have for us. Make us complete in it to do your will, working in us what is well-pleasing in your sight. Lord, I pray this. There is no other way but through Jesus Christ. Lord, your, the power flows through you, Lord Jesus, and through your finished work, to whom be glory forever and ever. Lord, that you would receive all glory in our lives forever and ever. In Jesus' name, and everyone says, amen, amen. Hey, thanks for joining us. We hope you enjoyed the sermon. Just want you to know you can find full live stream services on our website, lighthouseniagara.com.